I just want to say congratulations to the men and women's basketball team on their win last night. Also, shout out to the Lions then, just everybody coming and supporting each other. That was really awesome to see. Um, I just want to open us up in prayer. If you guys don't mind, just join me in prayer. Dear God, thank you for allowing us to just come together and just worship in your name, God. I ask that you're with us as we prepare to worship and just that you're with us for the rest of the semester and that, you know, we have the strength to really just study to show thyself approved. We love you and we thank you for the good and hard times this semester because you were in that. Thank you for all that you're doing and what you will continue to do through us just for your glory, God. We love you and we thank you. Amen. Good morning, everyone. It's the last chapel of the semester and um, as such, we're going to be doing something a little different today. We're going to be kind of going through a review of all that has transpired over these last several weeks that we've been together. When I woke up this morning, I was incredibly excited um, just to be able to share with you. As I was preparing uh, this talk, I was just reflecting on how God has been so faithful. And uh, it would be unfair to not talk about the fact that when this semester started... I felt so far um, not even close to that realization. What I mean by that is we, none of us kind of knew what this semester was going to be like. Um, Corey had resigned last semester. You guys heard the news of the summer, and we came in, and it was kind of like, what's it going to be like? What's it going to be like to walk through uh, this year together as a campus that's in transition? And to me, it kind of felt like walking in the dark. And I don't know if you've ever done that before, but I did this recently, this last winter at a retreat I was at. We were in the middle of the woods in New Hampshire. There was no light. And we had to get from one part of the camp to the other. And so I started walking with a friend. And there were a few lights where we began, but as we started going along the road, it was about a mile length and there was like no light in sight. The moon was kind of visible, so you can kind of see things. But then that moment happened where the cloud covered the moon, and I couldn't see anything. And as I was walking through the dark, I was visibly, like, getting afraid. Well, not visibly, because you couldn't see me, because it was dark. But I was talking to my friend, and I was like, oh, my goodness, I've never been in such darkness before. I can't see anything. I can't see you. I can't see anything. Where did the moon go? Where did... And I kept on kind of rambling, and my friend was this older pastor who was maybe in his 60s, and so he was like, it's okay. It's okay. You're going to be fine. And I was like, no, this is not fine. An Asian man in the dark like this, this is a scary moment. I don't know what I'm doing, you know? And I learned something. I learned that when you're walking in the dark and you can't see anything, what you have to do is listen to those who are speaking around you. And my friend's voice was so calm. He was like, it's okay. You hear where I'm at? I'm in the middle of the road. Let's just keep walking straight. Let's just keep walking straight. And I feel like this semester when we entered in kind of felt like walking in the dark. And I didn't know what God was going to do. I didn't know how he was going to move among us. But as we continued week by week by week, God continued to speak over and over and over again. This started with our own president, Dr. Corliss McGee, as she spoke from Philippians 4, and she talked about making choices along the way. And she challenged us and said, hey, which road will you take as you enter into this new year? She said that there's a difference between going fast and going far. And the main difference is that when you're going fast, you're going alone. 
But when you're going far, you're going together. And she read this verse from Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9, that says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And let your gentleness be evident to all, because the Lord is near. So don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, sisters and brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. And whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. The chapel after that, Reverend Montague Williams spoke to us about Zacchaeus. And he said that there are those among us who are hiding because of where we are or what we've been through. But they really, really want to see Jesus. And he challenged us about being aware of the Zacchaeuses in our presence. And said, are you like the crowd who are pushing those people out? Or maybe like the tree that provides shelter so that someone can go up and see Jesus. Then Christina St. Pierre came up here and she preached. I said that the first time and I say that again. She talked to us about unity and the importance of it and what it meant to be one accord. And she did something that was pretty historic. She shared uh, the words of the late, possibly late, and great Tupac Shakur in these sacred halls. I don't know if that'll ever happen again. Well, it might happen right now because I'm going to read from it. But she talked about this poem, The Rose That Grew From Concrete. Did you hear about the rose that grew from a crack in the concrete? Proving nature's laws wrong, it learned to walk without having feet. Funny, it seems to be by keeping its dreams, it's learned to breathe fresh air. Long live the rose that grew from concrete when no one else even cared. Christina said that ENC is a place where we come together and it's challenging because we're different. Someone might look and say, there's no hope for that place there. There's nothing that, good that can come out of that. But she said, just like the rose that grew from concrete, if we lean in and walk in one accord, we could be something that people said, wow, did you see that school that grew from brokenness and darkness? Then the SGA ministries came up and they talked about all the different ministries on campus. And I was so moved to see that there are, there are many of you, so many of you passionate about the things that God has called you to do. And I want to admonish you in that and ask you to continue pursuing your passions. I came up in the chapel after. I said that I was going to preach a sermon series on unity. And in that first sermon series, I preached from Philippians 2, and I talked about the unnaturalness of unity, the perspectives of unity. And I said that, honestly, if, we, if we're just if being real, we fail at standing united. And I said the key to overcoming those failures is having Jesus Christ at the center. Philippians 2, 5, verses 2, 5 through 11 reminds us of this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. But rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. And I said to you all that there is no unity without suffering or sacrifice. That standing united will require putting down some of our own desires and our own wants and learning to embrace the differences we find in our community, to love the other person, give our lives for them. 
Then we had Reverend Dr. J.K. Warwick come in, and the group was Next Gen Naz, and they challenged us towards church planting, asking the question, would you consider moving to a neighborhood and being a part of the work that God is doing there? And some of you heard that call and responded to it and were a part of what they did. And I want to continue to, to, to acknowledge that that's important. It's important for you to think about what you're going to do after you graduate and think about the ways that you're going to use what you've gained here and the lives that you've built to further God's kingdom in those neighborhoods. Church planting has been shown to be the number one way to reach unchurched, non-Christian people. So think about going out there and being a part of what God is doing. Then we had Reverend Marco DeBarros, which many of you really, really enjoyed. For some of you, it felt like it was a breath of fresh air. And he talked to us about the importance of focus. He talked to us about the importance of focus and how it's necessary for us to achieve what God has planned for us to do as individuals and us to do as a community. The next chapel after that, Reverend Jeremy Scott came in and he talked to us about faith and what it means to be a people of God and a people of hope. And he quoted Hebrews 10, 39 that says that we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we belong to those who have faith and are saved. And he encouraged us to be a campus community that lives out the gospel in ways that brings hope to the surrounding neighborhood and those who need it. Reverend Dr. Ernest Peets came in and he talked to us about the decisions that we make and what it means to say yes to God. That we don't just say yes in our words, but we have to say yes through our lives and follow him no matter where it leads us. There are times when you say yes and you have no idea where that's going to take you. And it might actually bring you back to the place where you thought you weren't going to be, but that's where God wanted you to be. He talked to us about saying yes. Reverend Dr. Kevin Modesto talked to us about the importance and the power of the love of God. And he said, as he was crying, which later I found out he doesn't do, that it is the most transformative element in this world. He reminded us of Philippians and the importance of unity. And it was a moment where it was like, wow, like God is speaking to us in ways that like even people who are coming from outside of our campus are able to sense. The week after that, we had Reverend Richard Griffiths or Richie. You guys remember him? Yeah, you do. Everyone uh, talked to him or said that he was the piano guy because he played the piano. Um, talked to us about the difference between having knowledge and experiencing the Holy Spirit. And he said that so many of us here in the church, we have knowledge. We, we have so much information, but that knowledge has not transpired and, and delved deep into our hearts. And what we really need is an experience. And he shared a story about his wife who set up an experience for him to go to a fine dining restaurant. And he was so skeptical and he was like, I don't know. But then when he came in, I'm not even going to try to tell the story because it was amazing the way he told it. But when he came in, a chef came to him and said, would you want this or that? And he had this amazing experience. And then sometime afterwards, he was at a diner and there were two older white women, ladies, people talking, trying to remember what he said. And um, they were talking about the restaurant. And he felt so compelled to tell them about his experience. And he challenged us and asked, are you experiencing the Holy Spirit? Do you feel so compelled to tell other people about what God is doing in your life? Because you know it or because you're really experiencing it? Richie reminded us that it's not just about knowing religion or having ideas, but it's about having a real experience with God. Then Scott Stearman came into town, 
being from Denver, I feel like that's something that he would say. He came into town. And he reminded us of the beauty of art. He created a sculpture of Jesus right here. We were watching him do it. There's bluegrass music. There's things that were going on in between. And he said that by the end, we actually create a sculpture of Jesus by the way that we live, by the way that we talk. That when people look at us, they're looking at Jesus. They're looking at Christ because we are the body of Christ. And so he posed the question, what does your Jesus look like? When people look at you, what is the Jesus that they see that is created by the way that you live? And we celebrated our homecoming chapel. And it's always a special time when we have people who have come to ENC and been a part of our community in years past. And Reverend Bud Reedy shared about the faithfulness of God. He showed us a pair of his daughter's shoes that he kept from when he was very, very, uh, just a young minister. And he talked about how God provided him money at a gas station next to a, a, a tire filling, air filling tank for Boo Boo's shoes. And he reminded us by saying that if God calls you to do something, don't be afraid. Because if he calls you to do it, then he will be faithful to complete it in your life. After homecoming, Reverend Mark Holpkin came in and he shared with us from Matthew 25. From the story of the lambs and the goats. And he shared that what was most troubling to him was that neither the goats or the lambs knew at all that what they had been doing was actually ministering to Christ. They had no clue that their actions were all connected to this thing that Jesus was talking about. And then he shared a story about his daughter who kept on saying that she was a great driver, but she failed over and over again and uh, challenged us by saying, what you say and what your life, do they match? He talked to us from James and said that we must not be just hearers of the word, but doers also. And that in a way of living uh, an authentic life, we can embrace the practice of confession. He shared about confession as he practiced in his own life and with groups of people. And the importance of what it means to, to have congruency in our actions and in our lives. And I came and preached on unity part two. And I had this sermon all prepared. Man, it was nice. and It was really funny. And the Holy Spirit, like two days before, was like, you're not going to talk about that. And so I said, okay, what do you want me to say? And I talked about the upper room experience. Talked about gathering, praying, and waiting for God to show up and do something at ENC. And I don't know, I had this crazy idea to take t-shirts and make these things and put them up here in front of the altar. And I'm going to be quite honest with you. When you do something like that, you really have no idea how that's going to go, right? You always want to make sure you have enough pieces for everyone because you don't want people to be left out. But that's like the best case scenario, like the Hail Mary situation, okay? The normal plan is like, we're going to have like 15 or 20 students. It's not going to be that big of a deal. Like, it's just, it's fine. Like, God has plans for you and see, and those 15 and 20 will be like the remnant. It'll be okay. I'm just keeping it real with you all today, right? And so I went down there. And, and, and mind you now, okay, I, I strategically had them in the center, okay, thinking that it wouldn't be a big problem, that we wouldn't have a catastrophic collision of bodies. Went down there, closed my eyes, hoped for the best. And man, we had a moment, didn't we? I never expected that God would do that in our midst that morning. And I want to thank all of you for answering the call to pray for this community 
for hearing the Holy Spirit and the challenge to come forth and, and hold our campus community in prayer. I hope that you continue to hold on to these. Pray for ENC. And like I said in that sermon, maybe 20, 30 years from now, when you come to homecoming, you'll bring it with you. And instead of talking about boo-boo shoes, you'll talk about the Asian guy who did this thing. <laughs> Just saying, it may not happen again. Then Reverend Dr. Carl Sumberg came and she talked to us about pursuing our education wholeheartedly, about using what we learn to be voices of truth in a world that is not opening to hearing it. And she shared with us about the convictions of Daniel, Shadrach, and Abednego and the ways that they lived their Christian lives in a world that was hostile to their beliefs. They did it with such grace and poise. They did it in a way that they gained the respect of those outsiders who did not understand now, we're living in very interesting times. There are a lot of people who are saying things on Twitter, social media, Facebook, all of that. And people are understanding that to be Christianity. And I just want to challenge you and say, what is your life saying? What is your voice saying? How are you using the tools that you have at your expense to represent Christ to a world that desperately needs to hear it? May we be like Daniel, Shadrach, and Abednego and learn to respect um, and, or earn the respect of those who are around us, those who are different from us, through the ways that we live and the convictions that we practice in our lives. Dr. Josie Owens came, and she did something very interesting. She brought a bowling ball on stage. We set it up. It was here. And for those of you guys who are curious about the stand of the bowling ball, it was just a tambourine. Like, we needed a stand, so I found a tambourine, and we covered it. We make things work at ENC. It's all good. But the bowling ball didn't move, and it was up here. And no one really knew why it was up there. And we were all kind of waiting for her to talk about why she put it up there. But by the end, she told us that um, she brought the bowling ball because God had told her to. God had told her to go to a coworker and say, I need you to find me a bowling ball. And he said, okay, I'll find you a bowling ball. And he found her a bowling ball. And then she got the bowling ball, and God said, put the bowling ball on the stage. And she did that. And she said, I don't really know why God told me to do this. So if you know, please tell me. But I think that there's a lesson in terms of our obedience to God. Sometimes God tells us to do things we don't understand. Sometimes he leads us to places or to challenges that we can't quite comprehend. And she said it's important to obey in those moments. She shared with us about three people from the scriptures. She led us in a real intimate moment of prayer, reconnecting with God. I saw some of you coming up in the altars and praying and giving your life. Maybe for the first time maybe for many other times. She talked to us about obedience. Tim came and he created a painting with the words, we are greater than me. And he talked about his work with Compassion International. And he challenged all of you, all of us, to consider sponsoring a child. And later, he wrote to our office and said that we had over 30 sponsorships that came out of Eastern Nazarene College on that day. And it was the most that he had received in any college visit props to you and to you for yes props to you and uh yeah i i just think it's amazing that you did that eric was really encouraged and he was blessed um i hope that many of you will continue to do that and be a part of the work that compassion international is doing it's really really good stuff Reverend Philip Park came in town, another Asian person, made me very happy. He shared with us about his ministry in Asia. 
and how following Jesus can lead you to doing weird things like eating maggots. He shared a story how when he went to this village and he was there, uh, he was talking to this group of people. They didn't know the language. He didn't know the language. And they brought a bowl of live maggots to him. And all he could do was smile. And they were watching him. And he continued, started to eat those maggots and continued to eat those maggots all the while they were watching him. On the way home, he almost died. He had to go to the hospital, emergency room, get all those maggots pumped out of his stomach. They were still alive when that happened. But after about three months, he went back with a translator. And he met the village chieftain. And the chieftain apologized for what they did because that wasn't a way of showing hospitality. They were actually pulling a prank on him. You see, they eat maggots, but they eat cooked maggots. They don't ever eat live maggots. And they didn't think that the crazy guy would actually eat the live maggots, but they did. And it was just kind of a situation that happened. But what was amazing was that because he ate those maggots, the village chieftain said, what kind of a God do you believe in? And he shared in that whole village came to know Jesus Christ, and a church was born. A church that planted other churches around that neighborhood. So sometimes eating, sometimes you got to do the thing you never think that you'd do for the gospel, the whole time smiling while you do it. Stephanie Flaherty, or one of our professors, informed us about human trafficking in the next chapter afterwards. It was a real sobering talk and a real sobering realization that many of us, even though we don't know that we're a part of the problem or that we contribute, we actually do. So she challenged us to be aware of the decisions that we make, even when purchasing clothes or products, um, and to think more critically about what we can do. Because human trafficking is a real issue here in Boston and in the neighborhoods around Quincy. We had class chapels after that. I think... And I might be biased in saying this, but I think these were probably some of the best class chapels we've ever had. Would you guys agree? Yeah? Yeah. Can we give a hand to the class chaplains, please? Um, I was able to be here for the freshman class chapel, and I've stayed for the whole time. And it was just incredible. Jamie and others kind of were at other places. And after we followed back and talked about how they went, we just thought it's incredible that So many of you led worship or spoke or were a part of doing that and part of attending it. Um, Anytime you use your gifts here at this community, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so I really, really thank the class chaplains for leading and doing that and and blessing our campus with with their organization leadership. And Reverend Julie Best came and she talked to us from Habakkuk or Habakkuk, depending on how you pronounce it. Small little minor prophet in the Bible. And she shared that no matter what we face, God is our strength. And he'll take you on the mountaintops, but he'll also take you through the valleys. He'll take you on the peaks that are very, very high, but sometimes he'll lead you right down those things and into those areas that are challenging. But in the midst of that, we can have hope and wait on God. Because Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19 says, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no fruit, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior, for the sovereign Lord is my strength, and he makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. And Reverend Matt Thomas came, 
And he spoke to us about Advent and what it means to live as a Christian community that is pursuing God, waiting for God in hope. And he shared an interesting story about how he was stuck on a log flume in the middle of uh, this park. And he was with Josh. I never know how to pronounce Josh's last name. Thank you. I know how to spell it. I can never pronounce it. He was with Josh. They were stuck. They couldn't get out. And they needed a nudge to move forward. And he said that accountability is important. He and Marco DeBarros, a speaker from early in the semester, had been accountability partners when they were here at Eastern Nazarene College. They met regularly and shared with each other their burdens, confessed to each other their sins, provided grace and mercy to each other. And by doing so, they were able to follow Jesus faithfully. And so I want to challenge you, if you don't have an accountability partner, if you don't have someone in your life who can give you a nudge or ask you hard questions, then do please consider going and finding one. We're not meant to be alone on this spiritual journey. We need community and we need each other. We need those nudges along the way. Then in our last chapel, the acapella choir, Dr. Lynn came. Kevin Smith came. And they shared with us about the shepherds and how the angels went and sang to the shepherds these beautiful songs. And Dr. LaFountain talked to us about many reasons why scholars think that the angels went to the shepherds first. But in his research and in his words, he found a more provocative angle. That perhaps these shepherds were the shepherds who were preparing sacrifices for the temple. And that was their job. And that was what they did. It was their role. And when the angels came to say, to you, a child is born, glory to God in the highest, what they were really doing was pointing to the fact that Jesus Christ, the true shepherd, would be born. That just as they were preparing sacrifices for the salvation of people, that God had prepared his own son as a sacrifice for the salvation of his people. And we sang carols together, even though it was a little early for Advent. We celebrated the birth of Jesus Christ. And here we are today at the very last chapel of the semester. And as I kind of bring this reflection to a close, I want to read to you one of my favorite passages about Advent. This is Isaiah 9, verses 2 through 7. Hear the word of the Lord. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning. It will be used for fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. For he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. You see, when Isaiah wrote these words, he had no idea what he was writing. 
He was writing uh, a prophecy, actually, that talked about the impending doom of God's people because of their sin. The people had literally been walking in a great darkness. And Isaiah came to this passage, and he must have been so confused. In the beginning, you hear this language that's very much like Lord of the Rings. I love Lord of the Rings. One of my most absolute favorite scenes is at the very, very end, right? When the tower and the eye and all of that stuff, it's like falling down. And it's like, like you hear all this stuff and there's like victory at last. And the beginning of this patch, it sounds like that. There's victory that is coming. War is being ended. The instruments that were used for weapons is now being used as for peace, to better the people. But then what comes afterwards in verse six, he says that there's a child born that's going to do this. A child who's going to come and rule. That, that a son will be given and the government will be on his shoulders. And if he isn't confused enough, he hits verse 7 and he sees that this child has the names of God. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Isaiah had no clue what he was writing at that time, but he was writing about a moment in which Jesus would come into a world of darkness and shine a great light. Advent is about hope. It's about living and walking as a people of hope. And when I think about our semester and the journey that we've been on, look, we may have started in darkness, but throughout every single time that we've been together, light has dawned on us. Christ has been with us, working in and through each of you, working in and through the ways that we've gathered together and worshiped as a community. And as you leave from this place, as you leave for winter break, I just want you to know that in the midst of whatever darkness you're in, whether that's family or personal or societal or communal, he will always come to where you are. It's what Advent teaches us. And as a church, we believe that he will come again to restore all things and and make things as they should be. When I think about this semester, I think we've come an incredibly long way. I hear about the stories of racial reconciliation. I hear about the stories of people who are willing to embrace and say, you know what? Let's lean in. Let's love each other. Let's be a community. And I'm so proud of all of you for that. I'm so proud of the ways that you've, you've found that challenging and difficult, but you've still done it regardless. I think we've grown in a lot of ways, and I think in some ways we still need to mature. My hope and prayer is that as you close the semester, go home and rest. Enjoy time with your families. Reflect on what God has done. And when you come back, let's experience God again and again. Let's continue to see him work among us. And wherever we're going, regardless of whether we see or not, let's listen to his voice and our voices, our, each other's voices, and learn to walk in darkness towards that glorious light. Amen? Amen. Pray with me. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for this last chapel and for this opportunity that we've had to gather together and reflect on the ways that you've spoken to us. Lord, And my heart is filled with so much gratitude. You are so faithful and you are so good. And Lord, at every level, God, of this campus community, with the students, staff, faculty, administration, I see you working, Lord. I see you bringing change. Some of that change has been change that we've been hoping for for a long time. 
some of its change that we're still hoping for. And God, for every person in this campus community, I pray that you would give them strength. Remind them, dear God, that you are a God who comes into dark places and shows up. In a land of great darkness, light has shone, and we can look to you and have hope. We thank you for the ways that you have challenged us. God, will you help us to grow even more? Will you bring conviction to us in the ways when we fail to love one another? When we fail to represent you, Lord, to this neighborhood and community, to this world that needs to see you clearly? Lord, help us to grow up. Help us to be your sons and daughters to represent you well. I pray for rest. I pray, dear God, for renewed spirits as, as, they, as students and everyone continue to celebrate you and look towards Christmas, Lord, in this season of Advent. And we look forward to the things that you will do when we come back. We give you praise. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You are dismissed. <laughs>